This week, I would like to highlight an incredible nonprofit organization called Rainbow Railroad. In a time when there are more displaced people than ever before, LGBTQI people are uniquely vulnerable due to systemic, state-enabled homophobia and transphobia. These factors either displace them in their own country or prevent them from escaping harm. Rainbow Railroad was founded in 2006 as a volunteer-run organization by a diverse group of LGBTQI activists and human rights defenders who wanted to do more to address the levels of violence LGBTQI people face worldwide. Since being founded, the organization has helped over 1,600 individuals find safety through emergency relocation and other forms of assistance. Most recently, Rainbow Railroad was showcased in an incredibly powerful and moving episode of Canada's Drag Race, which featured five courageous people who all were able to relocate after reaching out to Rainbow Railroad for help. Elton, otherwise known as Electra when working with reigning Canadian queen Priyanka, had been working with an LGBTQI rights group in Jamaica, which caused him to become a target of homophobia. Fearing for his life after an attempted attack and break-in at his home, Elton reached out to Rainbow Railroad, telling no one, not even his family, that he was trying to escape. He received a response the same day and was able to relocate shortly after. Now in Toronto, Elton is living his life as an out and proud gay man and is considering pursuing a master's degree in education. Please consider joining us in making a donation. Thanks to Rainbow Railroad, individuals like Elton will be able to access lives free from persecution and find peace in a safe and supportive community. Previously on Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials... Harry, exactly. when you ask when you ask yourself why you would go looking after someone who wants to kill you, I would ask that you sit down one day and you listen to a podcast called Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials, <laughs> which can be found on Anchor, Spotify, and Stitcher. We've laid it all Wherever out. Wherever you, you find your podcasts, you did the work. <laughs> Please rate, review, subscribe Harry Potter to the podcast about <laughs> your life. Five um, stars only. I know, I know that they're just, Pleasant. you know, like, just like, Harry, wake up. But it's funny to imagine them just like straight up slapping him across <laughs> the face. Being like, wake up, bitch. <laughs> I um, thought you were having a fit or something. So I smacked the shit out of you. Yeah. It's a full episode of Dallas on the train. <laughs> where it's just like, bah! <laughs> And what kind? Dark chocolate? A milk chocolate? A white chocolate? What are we talking about? Are we talking about 70% cacao? Are we talking about 90%? Like, how <laughs> how bitter does it need to be? Poppy Poppy and Minnie, and Poppy's the only person who gets to call yeah. her Minnie, um, yes. definitely yeah. made it a point to go see Bridesmaids in theaters. And I, I think that's yes. canon, for sure. <laughs> and this is how Allie sleeps. She sleeps like this. Good night, I'm gonna go to bed. And then when she wakes up, she's like... <laughs> <laughs> the breath <laughs> Welcome to Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials a show where we delve week by week into each chapter of the Harry Potter series. 
Welcome back, Ari and Allie, and Allie and Ari, welcome back. It's always such a pleasure to see both of you here in the sunlight, as Allie is demonstrating. Basking in her sun. sunlight. <laughs> the glow. Like a cat. Listen, I, I, yeah. in, in northern Indiana, I have to take what I can get. Mm-hmm. You got to get that vitamin if C. If the sun is out. Can. Vitamin D, baby. Oh, <laughs> This week, we read chapter six called Talons and Tea Leaves. Allie, what happens in this chapter? In this chapter, Harry gets uh, a death premonition and Malfoy gets slashed by a hippogriff. Mm-hmm. By the hash-slinging slasher. What? The SpongeBob reference. Oh. They're all going right over your head today, girlies. I wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob, if you recall. I don't. I don't. Why would I recall that? I had no idea about this. I've never talked to you guys about this. My mom, like there were certain shows we weren't allowed to watch because my mom thought we would just start talking like the characters. And it included SpongeBob, Rugrats, like those shows. She was like, Mm-mm, I don't didn't want you guys to come in being like, which like, sure. Hi, yeah. Gary. So I always, whenever. Yeah, they're perfect. Yeah, so I always Thank miss you. out on SpongeBob references, unfortunately. Ta- talons and tea leaves, broken balls. Um, <laughs> broken so balls. the chapter starts out, and Harry's going down to breakfast, and he passes by, and Malfoy is giving another performance. I know it's a children's book, but J.K. Rowling really made every single Slytherin ugly and stupid. Yeah. Except mm-hmm. for except for when we get to the sixth book and Blaze Zabini, you know, we're to assume that he's attractive. But, like, yeah. every single and I Slytherin. Guess Malfoy. Are we supposed I, to assume I, he's attractive? Blaze Zabini? I guess he has a sneak. Yes. Oh, he was, he was oh, in the really? movie, honey. Oh, honey, yeah. he was, yes, in the movie. But I just didn't, Him I don't remember. Dean I, Thomas in that film. Well, because he's supposed like, to oh, have, okay. like, he's, his character is supposed to have, like, this really beautiful mother who's married very well, and then her husbands yeah. have mysteriously died. And so, like, reading it, I always just assumed that he was, like, a very handsome person. The woman from Haunted Mansion is Blaze Zabini's mother. What's her Wait, name? What? The woman from Haunted Mansion? The movie with Eddie Murphy? From... I'm thinking of The Ride. Who oh. is the, the woman that goes, Harry Bad? Con- Constance Hatchaway? Yes. <laughs> That's Blaze Zabini's mother because she's Perfect. killed off all her husbands. I literally thought you meant she was portrayed in the film as well and she was played by the woman oh. who was married to Eddie Murphy, Mrs. N- Evers. <laughs> Of Mr. and Mrs. Evers and Evers Evers. Real Estate. Sarah Evers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all know. We all know. She could have, though. She was beautiful. Bold of you to assume that I know. Yeah, we got a bunch of of, uh, dumb and ugly Slytherins. Um, Harry goes down and sits next to Fred and George, and they're passing out their schedules. And um, again, we get a little glimpse of of cruel and unusual punishment at Azkaban because uh, George is like, yeah, most of the prisoners go mad in there, just like super casual, and it's not really like touched. It's just like said in passing, and then none of them acknowledge it. <laughs> like no one is like, oh my gosh, that's so scary, or like, 
I, no one thinks anything of it. They just move on with their lives. Um, what a what a what if what if there was like some woke Bernie bro who like goes to Hogwarts and he's like, the criminal justice system in this country needs reform. Not that I'm making fun of the criminal justice system needing reform because it does. It would be someone at the Hufflepuff table. Mm-hmm. Ernie McMillan comes in with his Bernie Ber- bro T-shirt. Bernie McMillan. <laughs> <laughs> Hermione is looking at her schedule and then Ron looks at her schedule and he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Why, you have three classes scheduled for 9 a.m. How can that be possible? I feel some type of way about Harry telling Ron and Hermione literally every passing thing that happens to him, but Hermione not telling Harry and Ron about the time turner. Like, I understand it makes sense to her character that this is a secret that McGonagall has told her don't tell anyone. It total like it totally tracks. I'm not saying it's out of character for her, but I still do. I'm still kind of like, it's it's funny to me that Harry has to tell them literally everything. He's like, so another person wants to kill me. So I think Voldemort's a lot. Like, it's just it it's just like stream of consciousness for him. He just any any thought that pops into his head, he has to tell them. And Hermione is like. No, no, no. Some things only I will know. So this is just going to lead me into my just one question I have, which is like, why is this allowed? Like, why are we allowing (laughs) underage wizards to just... I know that they're at Hogwarts. And I I agree that Hermione is an exemplary student. She is the pinnacle of like... She's the top of her class. I, I am not arguing against that. We are literally discussing the topic of time, like, like time, time. We're talking about time. Sasha Baron Cohen portrayed him in Alice Through the Looking Glass. Capital T. Capital T time. time. (laughs) Platonic form of time. So we, so I just want to be clear. The ministry is like, underage wizards outside of school can't even like, can't even do a simple cleaning spell to call it a day. They can't even do a, a Oculus Reparo on the glasses. But let's, <laughs> but let's give this like again, thirteen-year-old child, thirteen-year-old child, height of puberty, height of pu- like puberty is coursing through Hermione Granger's veins right now, and we're She's just gonna be just like, just gotten Good her luck first to- period. I was just gonna. She just got her period this summer, guys. While she was in France. The other mm-hmm. thing, too, that when I was reading this chapter that I thought was, like, bonkers is I was, like, I for some reason thought it was, like, she was taking, like, a cla- like two classes at once. But Ron points out she's taking three classes at a time. And I was, like, <gasps> yep. Sorry. Wait a minute. What? What are we doing here? Why are we? Okay. <laughs> I just have a lot of questions for the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> And then I always have an issue. I know we're not here yet, but like when she starts to get like burnt out, I'm like, so Hermione, you're okay to use it to like go to multiple classes, but you can't use it to get like another night's sleep or something. I think it's again that she's taking McGonagall's instructions very, very seriously. And I'm sure McGonagall was like, you can only use it to go to your classes. And she was like, so stupid. Cause I'm just like, 
there are not enough hours in the day and Minerva McGonagall, you should have known the way that your character is written. Minerva McGonagall would have been like, Hermione, you're the best student in the class, but like, this is too much. Well, and it's also like part of, part of like developing yourself into an adult is like, learning what priorities are and like being able to be like, I would love to learn all these classes. However, there is not enough time in the day. So what do I want to learn most? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's tough love. Like maybe McGonagall wanted her to learn the hard way. Like Hermione seems like the type of person who would be like, I can do everything until she can't do everything. I, that's what I'm going with. That's what I believe is that McGonagall was like, you know what? She, she thinks she can do it. I know that she can't, and she's not going to take my word for it. So I'm just going to let her learn a life lesson along the way. We're talking about Poppy's friend Minnie here. No, I, she would not do that. Maybe Poppy no. gave her the idea. Yeah, Poppy, who's the only <laughs> one that gives a shit about all the students at Hogwarts. She was like, "Yeah, let, let Hermione Granger just like exhaust herself." It, it the real. I mean, my real issue is. No, that was weird. My real issue is um, that JK thought this was a good idea. And that's always what it comes back to for me because I'm just like, girl, okay. okay. You needed some way to save everything in the end. But I'm just like, I don't don't know. There's some holes for me. I don't I don't have a problem with the time turner as concept. I and I I love yeah. going backwards in time. Like I love the time play that we do at the end of the book. And I've said this before right. and I will say it again on this podcast. Pa- even past this book I will talk about how I love the time going backwards in time sequence. But I just think that she was like this is the clever way I can use it. And I think it does make sense for all of the characters in this book series that she has given us. Like I would believe that McGonagall would be like, yeah, Hermione can do this. And the way she's written the ministry of magic, I absolutely believe that Hogwarts and the ministry together are like, let's throw caution to the wind. But I just, as a, as a person, they could care less about their students' well-being. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Bizarro. They could care less what's happening with a student. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so then Hagrid walks into the great hall where people eat every day with a dead animal. What's a pole cat? I looked it up. A ferret. It's a ferret, which is really sad and not I, funny. I don't know. I, I don't, I'd rather see a dead ferret than an alive ferret. Sorry. Isn't, isn't Sorry. art ferret? I just, what why he throws? does there need to be a dead animal? <laughs> yeah. What? Isn't that Adam what he throws, throws to Bucky, Bucky in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. To Bucky and Barnes. Bu- to Bucky Barnes. <laughs> the Winter Soldier. Yes. And the Falcon was also there, but he didn't get any polecats. Um, yeah, I could have done without that. I was like, I could I just can we, people can we are not? eating Hagrid. Oh, it's super gross. Can I say this? Polecats is a great name of a strip club. Oh, you know there has to be. There right? has to be a strip club. That's so that. good. And there's it's like no a little way that ferret. It's like a sexy ferret on cats. the sign. No, I don't think it's a ferret. No. Oh. I think it's Mimi Marquez. Let's <laughs> 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 go. 
So Hagrid's hyping up his class. He's like, you guys are going to love it. I'm so excited. You're my first class. Let's do it. And so then um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are like, okay, well, we got to go because it's divination and it's in the North Tower. We've never been there before. We don't know how to get there. So they go and they're having a hard time finding it. And as they're stop, they've stopped to catch their breath, they come across the portrait of I'm going to say Sir Cadagan because that's always how I've said it. I know that yeah. everybody can say it their own way. I have no problem with that. Thank you. Just, I'm just saying just for the listeners and for us so that we all know that we all have our own way of saying it and we're going to say it our own ways. Right. Allie, can you say, can you say your version one time, please? <clears throat> Sir Cadagan. At Ari, can you say yours? Sir Cadogan. And mine is Sir Cadogan. So we're all going to say it differently and we're all going to know who we're talking about. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. Are you, are you doing that to be funny? Or do you, is yes. that actually how you said his name? No, oh. I've never said his name like that, but I'm going to because it's for the bit. Okay. And we will. I will do it till yeah, the day this the podcast ends. For the bit. Okay. Perfect. No, I just, okay, great, great. I, I have to say, <laughs> Cadigan. Everybody, everybody sit down and take a deep breath because I'm going to say something overwhelmingly positive. That Sir Cadagan is everything that I love about Harry Potter. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. He's, yes. um, you know, it's a magical object with this very whimsical character that serves to act as just a, a pure example of the magic of the world. Adam literally cannot get over what I'm saying right now. Because I vehemently disagree. (laughs) You don't like Cadigan? (laughs) But finish your thought. I remember, I just, I remember reading this as a child and thinking he was the absolute funniest person. It's so, it's because he's just this bumbling knight who has a pony and he can't do anything right, but he, I think it's because he is so earnest and takes everything so seriously when everyone's like, does this guy know that he's an idiot that I just find deeply funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's things like this, it's details like this that I think made me love the books in the first place. Adam I think counterpoint. The, I think the reason I didn't like it, I do agree that he's funny as like a concept and he's very, and this is going to sound shady, but he's very first pass for me where it's like, oh, this is like a funny idea. But I got annoyed that I was like, she just had watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail and was like, this is gold. We got to put this right in the book. Because it is exactly Monty Python. Like, I was like, yeah. Because we, RJ and I just watched it during quarantine this past year because he'd never seen it. And so I was like, I mean, it's like a classic. I don't, I'm not a Monty Python person, but like, I think it's like good for people to see, especially because I think it's very emblematic of British comedy. Are you talking specifically, are you saying specifically Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yes, specifically. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was like, like truly, that that is that character is Lancelot in in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like that is the exact character. And I was like, wow. Oh, please don't do this. Don't bother. He has some thoughts as well. Ka- Friedrich counterpoint. 
I think it's fine. I really <laughs> the don't. Floor is yours. I don't like. I don't dislike Sir Cadigan, but I just was like, all right. I was annoyed that I was like, you are pulling something. You're you're not. It's not an original. I mean, none of these are like original thoughts, to be quite honest. But like, it's 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 the it's like all of it we coming just together. Talked about what, the Dementors, yeah, is what's so exciting about Harry Potter. But like, I was like, man. I think he's hilarious, and I also love that he goes from, like, yelling at them and, like, addressing them as if they're his mortal enemy only only to unite on a quest as BFFs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. Um, I did want to mention she specifically references that the pony is fat, so I just... Just wanted to say just to call back to Little Sebastian. Chapter Little two. Sebastian. Yeah. Um we must stand Sybil Trelawney. We have no choice but to stand. Cause we're so because we really want Harry to have a wake-up call. <laughs> I just she and I'll 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 make the point when when we get to the actual thing, but she's just so fun as a character and again it's the same thing that I said about Sir Cadagan that she takes herself so seriously and everyone is like are you seeing this or is it is it just me like it's just there's something about that that I find truly delightful um and I I I really like that she says, so on page my page 103, she says, I find that descending too often into the hustle and bustle of the main school clouds my inner eye. Nobody said anything to this extraordinary pronouncement. What What's extraordinary about that? And then it's like, and then she just like rearranges herself and continues on. Like it's like me, anytime that I try to tell a joke, anytime I workshop a joke on here and you guys are like, <laughs> and then I have to move on. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Girl, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I I would love to teach this way. I love that it's just like a coffee shop and she's given herself just like a very comfortable chair that she like holds court over her classroom as she's like sitting in this chair. It's just very, just like, hello, I'm here today to talk to you about the future. And then I also want to say too, that this, the speech that she gives describing divination is essentially the speech that Severus Snape gives on the first day of potions. And also the way that she talks about divination, I'm just like, I agree that I love Sybil Trelawney, but I'm just like, why is divination even a subject then if like a book won't help you, just like potions? <laughs> There's apparently the potions book isn't it doesn't have anything important in it. Neither does the divination book. So why even make them buy a book in the first place? Wait, did they buy a book? Yes. Unfogging yeah. the future. Unfogging the future. Okay. So I'm just like, why? If it is just like all kind of chance and it's not like an artistic class where you can just like create whatever and like, you know, it's open to interpretation. I guess that's what she's trying to say. But I'm like, you're contradicting that by saying like very few are like gifted with this skill or she says something like that. I can't remember exactly what the phrase was, but I'm like, 
So then what is the point of this class? Because it's like they just end up making stuff up to, to for her to be like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very strange to me because every other, even potions, every other class has like a, I don't know, understandable curriculum or whatever, like a way to us to succeed, basically. Is there any class you've ever taken in your life where you were like, this is my divination, where this is not real? Is there anything you've ever taken like that? Okay, so I'll say mine since I posed this question. Okay. This is when I was in, uh, when I went to college for theater, uh, we had a class called Movement. And in Movement. Oh, I loved my Movement class. (laughs) I loved. I don't know if it was the same. Okay. I loved movement class. I also was like, this is the most wee wee woo woo. Like, this is what (laughs) science majors look at theater majors and they're like, honestly, the liberal arts, are we really doing this? Because we would just like walk in lines and then the our professor would be like, okay, move in red. So we'd be like, oh, we're red. Okay, how does red move? How does... I tr- I'm not kidding, Allison. This is literally what we did. We There was like an entire section where yeah. we were is the it, four elements. It, she was like, move and like And did you Earth. feel nothing? Yeah, we did no, that. No, I in fully did it. Too. It's all... And it's bonkers. And it makes no sense. But I was like, this is this is divination. I still think there's a way to succeed in a movement class that there isn't a way to succeed in divination. I don't know. And and I even was thinking about, like, I guess the closest thing that you could know, even, a, no, well, I guess it's astronomy, not astrology. But, like, when Ferenz comes in, you can take this out if you want, but when Ferenz comes in, he specifically kind of connects to astrology, which is very different than what Professor Trelawney talks about. And I'm like, yeah, there we, like, when he comes in, I'm like, yes, here we go. This actually makes sense in terms of, like, not predicting things, but just like understanding the forces that are at work and blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff. But like looking in a crystal ball, reading the tea leaves, things like that. Like she doesn't even ever do like tarot card readings. I'm like, okay. I I just don't understand how anyone is supposed to succeed in this class. I think it depends because I think that you can, I think that there are certain things you can learn. Like you can buy a book on like palmistry you know what I'm saying like you can like look stuff up about it and even if you like can't predict the future and she mentions that as one of the things is that they'll study palmistry so I think I think that it's a it's a certain like there are certain things that you can do that maybe you can learn about and about how it's done and about the theory and maybe maybe you can understand the theory but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can actually see into the future yeah, be or, a seer. or make an, a genuine prophecy. Which I guess is what I was taking from her only to then have the thought of like, bitch, you don't even know like that you're an actual seer. Like you in your mind are telling yourself that you are, but like she has no idea she made this prediction and that's why she's at Hogwarts or anything. So I guess that maybe I was thinking she's trying to find other seers only to like herself not really have that skill I mean she does but like what she's harping on everyone else about like what she's what she's saying to Hermione what Hermione doesn't have like Sybil also doesn't have that awareness 
if that makes sense. She like goes into almost like a seizure or something and then has a vision. So yeah, that would make more sense if it is just like the theory or like you said, learning about reading palms or learning about how to interpret things. Sure. But I think too, this conversation about Trelawney is the eternal question that like people who are skeptics of anything of the sort have about like clairvoyance or whatever, where it's like, so the little, the little thing she says in this chapter, like Parvati should beware of the red haired man and um, Neville dropping the cup and um, the person that will leave by an Easter or whatever. Are these like just good guesses because she's been a teacher at this school for so long that like she usually has a student who's like, fuck this class. I hate it here. I'm leaving the class. Or is it just like, or are, is there like, because she literally is a seer, which we end up finding out it toward the end of this book. Um, or is that like cracks coming through, but they're just like tiny little, not prophecies, but like actual, like, part of her clairvoyance you know you know what i think it is you know in the wizard of oz when dorothy goes to see the the guy who's looking into the crystal ball and he's going through Mm -hmm. all of her belongings to tell her her like Mm. her fortune i think Mm -hmm. it's that i think that she she collects information on the students so that when they show they even come so when they show up to the class she's like i know what's gonna freak them out and then we'll say something I always, when I was reading this as a kid, I just always thought it was coincidence. Honest. Mm. As as a kid. I think think now if I I had to guess, that's what I'd say. But now I feel like I want to like follow the rest of the book and see if anything she says, like all of the things she says actually do happen. Because the one, the one about Parvati and Ron or, and a red haired man, I was like, does something happen with Parvati and Ron in this book? Or is that that the next book? Or is that the Yule ball? Her, her sister. It's well, not her specifically. Yeah, it's Padma. Oh, okay. Although I don't know, we don't know what's going on in Provardi's life. We don't know that much about her. Right. Yeah. Ron's not the only redhead walking around. Yeah. Um, what if Percy takes house points away from her? <gasps> wow. <laughs> yeah, Percy. It's Percy. Um, um, there is a part. I can't remember which book it is, but where she's shuffling the tarot cards, and she's like pulls out something while Harry's hiding and it's like exactly what's happening. So, but then she's like, that doesn't make any sense, which is very funny to me. So there is like some time later where she actually does say something that's accurate to what's happening around her, but she thinks it's nonsense. I mean, literally I know that happens could, once. You could genuinely read that the, like the grim in the teacup is real because Harry will die in four more books. Which she's already talked about, except she didn't know it. Sure. She's already referenced it. (laughs) Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if we're going with that idea that it's like, but she actually was right in the end. I I, What I'm saying is I think I'm Lavender Brown where I fully believe that Sybil Trelawney's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, well, I do want want to put just a little, you know, what is it? I want to put a little... What is it when you uh uh when you like fuck something up when you're like I'm gonna put a like a a kink put in a the pin point? In it? what you want to no. put a pin in it oh, okay no 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 like I want to put uh I know what you're trying to say 
I don't know what the fuck it is. Keep- put a wrinkle in the thread or yeah, whatever. Yeah, put a wrinkle. Okay, yeah, Adam, keep the struggle. Don't remove this. I uh, I just want to let beauty. you know that. Yes, um, Friday the sixteenth of October. Uh, this is taking place in nineteen ninety three. In the year nineteen ninety three, October sixteenth was a Saturday. Mm. So, this scene. Or this like day of school? Yes. No, she she says a pro- she says a prophecy, doesn't she? Or a, she says like a, something's going to happen on October sixteenth. Right? She says, incidentally, that thing you are dreading it will happen on Friday, the sixteenth of October. Girl needs to look at a calendar. Joe yeah. needs well, to look at might, a calendar. She didn't say what yeah, year. Joe she didn't say looked. it was this year. Okay. It could be nineteen ninety seven. I don't it think does I ha- don't. Okay. It does happen in the book though cuz it's her rabbit, right? That she's yeah. Refer- what yeah. Her baby rabbit. So it rabbit does happen does. that year. Yeah. Um so then Harry and Ron read their tea leaves and it's very, you know, they're just like two teenage boys like <laughs> what do you see and they're just having a good time with it. They don't really I do love that Hermione 20 minutes in is just done. She's just yeah. like she's made up Already her mind. She makes up her mind so quickly. It is funny to me that like she can see Trelawney for what she is, but couldn't see Lockhart for what he was. I it interesting an interesting a uh, thing here. Um, but so uh, so Sybil, I, I'm going to call her Sybil because I like to say that better than Trelawney. Sybil uh, decides to take over and takes Harry's cup and is reading his cup. And then when she sees the Grim, she falls back into her chair. And in this moment when she's like, don't make me say what it is, I was like, Sybil Trelawney is just a Kristen Wiig character. <laughs> That's all that she is. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this is giving me big don't make me sing energy. Very mm-hmm. big. Don't and make who's you who's the the one on Password? The like actress on Password with the oh. like, shawl, and she's always <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, honestly, <laughs> it's just Kristen Wiig, and I love it. It's so good. Chef's kiss. Um, so they they go to they leave divination they go to transfiguration and um last chapter we had a classic joe red herring this chapter we have a classic joe foreshadowing when she mentions anime guy just casually in passing um and uh uh everybody is everybody's like really in a in a in a grim mood and she's like what is going on and they're like well we just had our divination class and mcgonagall's like sybil is a nut job and then she (laughs) and she's like harry if you die you don't have to turn in your homework and so then they go which of you will be dying this (laughs) year um that's true the question i had was did the transfiguration room change it said they or are they just lost because they're coming from the divination room that they like don't know. To, okay, I was like, you guys have been going to this classroom for two years now, but if it, if it just took forever to find their way back from the divination class, fine. Um. So then they go to lunch, and I do really like the um, 
muggle wizard kind of conflicting views here because like Ron, who was raised a wizard and knows about the Grimm and whatever, is like totally on board. And Hermione, who is a muggle, has her healthy skepticism. And I just like the contrast between these. It's always, I think, fun to see the differences of opinions that just come from um, growing up in the wizarding world versus not having that same background. And it's nice to see it coming from someone who's not Harry, because I think a lot of times we see it through Harry, but it's nice to see it. Um, of Hermione having her experience in the Muggle world and sharply disagreeing with Ron about the Grim. Um, the Grim. So they Grim. they eat lunch. They they go out on the grounds to care That's of how Emma Thompson creatures. says it. The Grim. The Grim. <laughs> <laughs> Little vibrato on the end. <laughs> so good. Um. They go to Care of Magical Creatures, and Hagrid's very excited, and he's like, okay, open your books, and Malfoy's like, I'm sorry, how? Listen, Malfoy is right in this situation. (sighs) I know. That's what I was going to say. This whole scene is so cringy, because you're like, Hagrid, we love you, but like, what are you doing? Come on. So... They go to this little paddock, and and Hagrid's like, I got a great lesson for you today. And he trots out 12 hippogriffs. Here's the problem with this class. Okay? They do, they do mention it later that it's too much, too fast, too soon. Okay? That's number one. Number two, there needs to be more adult supervision. Okay? With three – with or 12 creatures such as this. And number three – even if he were the only adult there, he cannot do magic. It would be different if it were a fully trained wizard who could do magic and sensed danger and could do like a little spell, a protego or something like that. He's right. not a fully trained wizard. So he's putting these, I mean, honest, he's putting these students in danger because even if he even if he can manage the animals which like we're led to believe that he's he can you know he has a way with beasts because he himself is a little bit of a beast um he <laughs> he's a beast boy yes. <laughs> it's it's deeply unsafe this is another example of how they did fix this in the film. Like yes. one hippogriff, Malfoy like charges out of his own accord to be an idiot. Like that makes more sense. And the fact that Hagrid immediately is like, whoa, what are you doing? It's still, I mean, he still doesn't really intervene as much as he should. But like, yeah, when I read the amount of hippogriffs he was bringing out, I was like, you could have brought one or two and supervise like groups of three as they approached the hippogriff. Like just the fact that he's letting these 13 year old students stand around these giant hippogriffs. I was like, you can't watch every single situation, like every little clump at once. You can't. So I just am like, what are you doing? This is so stupid. What, what, what are you doing? Where does one get 12 hippogriffs? <laughs> Where well, does one get 12 hippogriffs? <laughs> That's why it's been carrying around the pole, the dead pole cat. 
Yeah, there's a lock to it. The other question that I have about it is that, like, what level of domestication are we at with the hippogriffs? Because, like, you can go up to it and bow to it, and it will let you ride it. It's it's not like you could just go out into the wild and like find a deer and bow to a deer and be like, yes, we are connected now. I will climb on your back and we will go through the forest together. <laughs> like that's not – there has to be some level of domestication there that I, I just – I don't understand how – it, they're just comfortable unless Hagrid has somehow tried I don't know it just it doesn't seem like you could just go into a forest and be like there's a hippogriff I bow to you we're lifelong companions now I don't I don't get it well and and clearly that isn't the case because Malfoy bows to it and he's petting him and then when he insults him then they're like not friends anymore and Buckby goes after him so it's like that can't be it that doesn't make any sense there is something very funny to me about an animal understanding English enough to know that you're insulting it. Mm-hmm. I, that is funny to me because is I that feel what like- we're supposed to believe that, that he can understand. I thought it was well, more just like the demeaning tone. The hippogriff was like, bitch. I don't know because I feel, I don't know. I feel like what if I were to be like, you are so stupid. That it uh, wouldn't, yeah. that it wouldn't understand the insult. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. <laughs> yes, let's find it. Try let's it find out. twelve hippogriffs and give it a go. <laughs> I, I, I've always read it as it was like the specific words, but there's no, there's no. You can read it either way. Honestly, I've just always read it as it was that he called it a git, a git. Called it ugly. Ugly. He's a you great ugly brute, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, brute. Yeah. Yeah. Get your insults right, Adam. Sorry. I'll get my <sighs> Britishisms correct, mate. Your Britishisms. Um, so they have this whole thing with the hippogriffs. Uh, they're all scared of them. Harry goes up to it. It goes well. He flies it around the paddock. He comes down. And then all the students are like, ooh, fun. And then Malfoy is with Buckbeak. And he calls it a great ugly brute. And Buckbeak's like, I know you just didn't keep my name out your mouth and attacks him. And so then Hagrid picks him up and runs him to the hospital wing. And then the rest of the class is just like, is it over? Is it done? And what happens to the hippogriffs? Do they fly away? <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> Do they just stand there? Are they just running loose on the grounds? Yes. Or do they all rally around Buckbeak and they're like, you insult one of us, you insult all of us. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like the jets, the sharks and the jets, but like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the students versus the hippogriffs. Yes. I love, I love as a person who minored in napping in college, I would watch Hagrid walk away and be like, I'm going to take a fucking nap on the first day. This is so ex-. I would rush to the my dormitory and be like, yes! <laughs> I'd be so excited. But that's me. Um, I'm laughing so hard at the idea of the, idea of the hippogriffs rallying around Buck Yeah, they're just like don't don't fuck with all them. like fluff their feathers. And, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like 
the chicken dance? <laughs> you want to try it again? I'm begging I'm just like you. imagining them all just staring daggers at the students like, try it again, bitch. <laughs> That's exactly what I think happened. This is, there is a really good sketch. This is Ari does this once a book where she thinks something is so funny that she'll <laughs> laugh about it for a solid minute and a half. So we found the one so for this It's book. just the visual of it to me. And there is a really good sketch of the, you guys can keep going, but I'm looking up the sketch of the hippogriffs in the. At this point in their day, the Gryffindors are one for three on good teachers. So <laughs> Professor McGonagall's holding down the fort as the only good mm-hmm. professor that they've yeah. had. Mini. Yeah. So they go to dinner and they notice um, that uh, the, and they go up to the the common room and then they notice that Hagrid's light is on. And so they're like, well, let's, let's just go talk to him and see how he's doing. They find him deep in the drink. He is incredibly inebriated. I'm deeply worried for his safety. He needs to take a good hard look about his relationship with alcohol. Yeah, Hagrid, what example are you setting these for these 13-year-old children? Come on. He's so upset. He's like, well, I haven't been fired yet, but I might as well be. You know, Malfoy, Madam Pomfrey did what she could for him, but he's he's traumatized, which like, I mean, listen, it's fair enough. I'm not saying like, I'm sure that she was able to mend him immediately, but like being attacked by a half horse, half eagle would be very frightening. So, like, I don't fault him that. Yeah. I mean, I know he really milks it for all it's worth, but, like, I don't fault him for being upset about the incident. Um, And then Hermione's like, okay, listen, you know what? Stop. Take a breath. Take a beat. I'm taking your alcohol. It's going to be okay. So she goes, she dumps out the cauldron of alcohol whatever it is that he's drinking. And she comes back in and they hear a splash. And Ron and Harry are like, what was that? And Hermione just like very matter of factly, like nothing. She was like, oh, he just dunked his head in the water barrel. <laughs> just like they've seen him do it a hundred times before. He's trying to sober up, you know, they know the routine now. I I was just like, why is this so normal to her? Why, why is this not like a funny or concerned thing? They're just like, no, he, this is just something he does sometimes. He gets super drunk and then he has to go dunk his head in a barrel of water. Because the real tea is that a dentist's life is very sad. So, well, she, she has that's two kind of what I was thinking. She, well, that is <laughs> yeah. honestly, I was like, she seems like she's familiar with a situation like this where she needs to take away the alcohol and then ha- help them sober up. Yeah, her parents were wasted off their ass on their trip to France, so Hermione was on her own mm-hmm. <laughs> that entire trip. On mm-hmm. on her own when she got her first period. Had they to figure really it out herself. indulged of the French wine. Mm-hmm. Here's a tampon, dearie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a tampon, dearie. Um, so then Hagrid comes back in and he's like, thanks for pulling me out of the darkness. And then he's like, wait a minute, Harry, you shouldn't be out here. And then escorts them back to the castle. It is really a really funny image for me to see him being like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just like, 
having a moment of silence where he like comes to for a second and then is like, I'm like, Hagrid, you're the only adult here. Like, they are children. They're not, Harry clearly does not give a shit whether he's out late or not. (laughs) And that's it. That's the chapter. Next week, we'll be reading chapter seven called The Boggart. Are we saying Boggart? Boggart. Boggart? What else would we say? Boggart. I oh, as Bogart. a kid, I always said Bogart, Bogart, but I had no idea. Oh. I don't know. I don't know anything. The Boggart. It's Boggart. Okay, Boggart. The Boggart in the wardrobe. Um, we have a new review. This is from Four for Fun. It's five stars. It's titled Expecto Perfection. This is now my favorite podcast. <laughs> the perfect balance of critique, summary, questioning, banter, and humor. Spelled with a U. So this is this is a person either who's Canadian, Australian, or British. This talented trio makes yeah. me belly laugh, crack up every episode while diving deep into the wizarding world. I relate to so much you say, and I'm impressed by the details you find and questions you pose. I'm so happy I found you from Adam being on the Diz Unplugged. Thank you. You don't have to be a millennial to love the anxious millennials. Thank you from a fellow Hufflepuff. okay uh great thank you for the kind words we love hearing what you guys think you can find the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts as always don't forget to rate review and subscribe so that we can get a perfect new score five stars only what is his voice you interrupted Five stars only, or else you'll see the grim in your teacup. And that's the tea. And that's the tea. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Twitter and uh, Instagram at HBAnxious. And you can find us on YouTube at The Ampliverse. We are hosted on Anchor, so thank you to them. And are a proud I had a great tweet today. Ampliverse. Check them out at TheAmpliverse.com. Thank you, Allie. And thank you, Ari. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. And as always, Knox. Discovering Voices, Building Worlds, The Ampliverse.